Pictures. And welcome back. I'm Alex Hardgrave. And I'm Allie Melnick. And you're listening to Posted, a podcast by the Indiana Daily Student. You just heard the sound of the newly installed Mets Carillon Bells playing on Monday in celebration of the IU Bicentennial. We'll be starting the podcast today talking with Enterprise editor and reporter Annie Aguiar about these new bells, followed by a recap of top stories of the week and another in-depth conversation with news reporter Shelby Anderson about the pip squeakery expanding to include more animals. But first, let's talk about the bells. We have Annie Aguiar here to tell us more about her story. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's my first time ever unposted. Longtime listener, first time caller. Wow. Wow. I'm not calling. This is my second time unposted. <laughs> wow. So. Same. Okay. <laughs> Love so, it. Uh, first and foremost, what I'm going to butcher the pronunciation again. What You're is good. a carillon? A carillon yes. is. Okay. It's kind of weird. It is a musical instrument that is a collection of more than, I think, like 23 bells. The bells are different sizes and different tones and are played via a keyboard-type mechanism connected to each of the bells. Any less than, I think it's 23 bells, that's a chime, not a carillon. Don't be fake. So, <laughs> we they're usually housed in towers. They have an origin in like the medieval era with a lot of religious associations in kind of like Belgium, all that jazz. And yeah, there are, I think, if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, 130 whereabouts carillons in North America. Most of those are on college and university campuses, like our lovely new bicentennial Metz carillon. So. Wow. Interesting. So if it has more than 23 bells, is it still a carillon? It's still a carillon, yes. Cool, okay. That's actually another thing with the bell number. So this is IU's second carillon. The first carillon was built for the 150th anniversary, also called a, ses- a sesquicentennial. There we go. Hmm. In 1970. And that was a regular carillon. They had, I'm trying to remember the number. Okay, yeah. They first had 61 bells when that carillon, which makes it a regular carillon. New carillon has 65 bells for new carillons, which makes it a grand carillon. Oh. Which is, oh, there are not many grand carillons in existence. Wow. Do you know how many there are? No, there's not a lot of grand carillon statistics online. I looked looked so hard. There's someone somewhere in America who's like, there there are 10 of them. They're listening listening right now. They have like one filing cabinet in their basement (laughs) with like all the grand carillons. Mm -hmm. Yes. For sure. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. So Mm -hmm. why did you take on this story? and like learn all of this stuff about it. This isn't an interesting answer. Okay. Oh, wait. I'll try to make it. So (laughs) our managing editor of digital, Vivek Rao, had this whole idea that he wanted to just get the numbers on the bell towers and he wanted a writer to accompany him on doing this whole thing and write the text for it. And my like internal beat of stories I write is just like, weird stuff that just (laughs) randomly strikes my fancy. So, like, yeah, I'm the type of reporter who will, like, it's time to learn a ton about bells. For example, these bells (laughs) were made in a bell foundry in the Netherlands that's been operating since the 1800s, also made bells that are in the Notre Dame. I'm trying to find the name of the bell foundry in my notes. I will butcher it. Uh, Yeah. Royal... 
ice bouts. Unsure. Cool. So, but yeah, the um, 61 original bells were sent back to be refurbished and like retuned. Or re- I don't know how you tune a bell. They know. Um, and the new, f- the four new ones were also made at that same foundry. All of the bells have, <laughs> I love bell facts. All of the bells have quotes inscribed on them. The first 61 from American or English authors made for the sesquicentennial. And then when it came time to do the bicentennial one, they were like, oh, we forgot to include any women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because women that just happened. have quote. Yeah. yeah. Before, women 19, did not talk. 19, 1970, name a woman. You can't. Oh, no. So, <laughs> oh, no. With the four new bells, they have quotes all from women writers. The first one on the largest bell is from Sappho, the Greek poet. Then you have a quote from Hildegard of Bingen, who is like this German abbess polymath, um, one from Emily Dickinson and one from Maya Angelou, to try to make it a little better. But yeah, cool bell facts. Love that. The largest one is 12,000 pounds. Wow. How much did that cost? Do you know? Uh, they don't have, we asked, they don't have individual cost breakdowns for each of the things, but the budget for the whole project was $7 million. Wow. Yikes. Coming from private donors. Okay. So, yep. Not tuition. <laughs> not tuition money, no. Good. Tuition dollars did not go towards the bell. And you know what? Personally, just me, I'd be fine if my dollars went towards that bell because that's a cool bell. It is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that's 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 a hot take, but I, I like the bells. Does it chime like every hour now? I haven't heard it. Okay. Like- so on the f- day that it first rang, it rang like 200 times or something like that. Oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah. They're not going to, as far as I understand, I might be incorrect in this. Um, it's going to be for like special events, some concerts. Um you can have a live player in like the little playing cabin, or you can um, have kind of pre-program it with a digital file to have a song set up. But yeah, I'm not sure what the regular bell plans are. Okay, because yeah, I was kind of surprised I hadn't just heard yeah. it ringing. But yeah. that makes sense. She'll be okay. a chiming. So cool. are people gonna have or not have to, but they're gonna go in and like give performances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's That's so um, interesting. Jacobs is going to. I think I think in Ty's story, I read something where they're going to start offering some instruction and in how to play Big Bell Tower for Jacobs students That's and cool. faculty and everything. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. The person who plays a carillon, and I might mess up this pronunciation, is a carillonneur, like a restaurateur. Oh. Carillonneur. Isn't Ooh. that a good word? It sounds like a dessert. Right? Did you go to the first bell ringing? No. Oh, I was like, did you meet the, the carillonneur? I did not. The vice attorney? Okay. I did not. Ty probably did. He probably did. Probably did. Hmm. What a good reporter, Ty <laughs> True. But yeah. Okay. The largest yeah. one is a couple inches shorter than Shaq. Well, really? One? Yeah. In, in diameter. In diameter, I'd like to specify. Oh. Yeah. Not yeah. in height. Not in height. No, <laughs> it's probably far taller. <laughs> but yeah, they range from about like the size of a coffee cup to... Shack. Yeah. Like 12,000 pounds. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a nice little... Each, each different size bell has a different tone. 
Mm -hmm. and which is how they can get all the pretty, pretty music together. Hate to be crushed by one of those. Oh. Like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That would not be great. Not on my to-do list. (laughs) But don't put that on the IU bucket list. (laughs) First year experiences. God, you heard it from Mm -hmm. me first. All right. right. Well, thank you so much Mm -hmm. for talking to us about the bells. And if you have any more bell questions, let me know. Uh, do you want do. do you want to plug your your Twitter handle or something? Oh, People sure. can DM you bell questions. Oh my god! Well, I should, but like no one will know how to spell my first or last name correctly. So no one can spell Annie, right? <laughs> my my Twitter handle is Annabelle Aguiar. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. that creepy doll messed up. People trying to contact me forever. You know. Oh, right? <laughs> oh god. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, thank you so much. Sweet. Now here are some of the top stories from the week. Along with the inaugural bell ringing on Monday, IU had many other events, including a speech by How to Get Away with Murder actress Viola Davis. She received an honorary doctorate in fine arts before speaking to a crowd at Assembly Hall. She talked about her history, overcoming poverty, adversity, and trauma. She also spoke about the effect Martin Luther King Jr. had on society. 22-year-old Jordan Long, an IU senior, was found dead Tuesday at his off-campus home. His roommates found him unresponsive Tuesday afternoon, and the Bloomington Police Department does not suspect foul play. An autopsy was scheduled to happen this past Wednesday. IU women's basketball broke their losing streak last night with a 76-60 road win Thursday night against Penn State. IU's balanced scoring attack and airtight defense in the second half helped it break its three-game losing streak. They will face Minnesota next at home this upcoming Monday. IU men's basketball won against number 11 Michigan State on Thursday night. The Hoosiers beat the Spartans 67-63 in a nail-biting finish that was determined in the final possession, with the Hoosiers' defense making a stop on Spartans forward Xavier Tillman at the rim. IU will host number 17 Maryland this upcoming Sunday. Also on Monday, a laser cutout of a prehistoric giant sloth named Mega Jeff was unveiled in Franklin Hall. Opinion editors Abby Malala and Tom Sweeney waited on the sloth, who is a prehistoric species called a megalonic Jeffersoni. The species is named after Thomas Jefferson because he presented one of the first fossils of it. Malala and Sweeney were critical of the timing of the unveiling, writing, quote, Bicentennial events got center stage while the university appeared to treat honoring Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy like more of an afterthought. Jefferson's own legacy as a slave owner only adds insult to injury, end quote. And now we want to welcome reporter Shelby Anderson to talk about her coverage on the Pip Squeakery, a local animal shelter that rehabilitates small animals and rodents, and how it's building an expansion to hold up to theoretically 700 animals. Well, welcome, Shelby. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great to have you. Um, So, yeah, tell us a little bit about this story. I guess, first off, how did you hear about the Pip, the Pip? The Pip Squeakery? <laughs> um, yeah, it's called the Pip Squeakery. And I think one of my editors actually um, posted it on our uh, pitch doc and everything. And I have been the biggest fan of the IU Squirrels account for a while now. So I was kind of like, okay, small animals. I'm already into those. So, And I think it might have been Emily Isaacman who pitched it because, I don't know, she was really into it. Okay, okay. So can you talk a little bit about like what the Pip Squeakery is and how it kind of got started, I guess? Because this is the first time I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's actually, it got started when it's a married couple who runs it out of their house, actually. And it got started because one of their, they got a pet hamster and only a couple of months later it actually died. So they were kind of like, they I mean, they realized that there is nowhere to take 
small animals because they have vets for cats and dogs and everything but for small animals that might need a surgery or medications there's not really a place to take them so they created the pipsqueakery which will help animals to get the medications that they need and also it serves as a sanctuary for animals when they will not be adopted like for example some of the animals that they have there have like mental issues and like like intellectual disabilities and everything so yeah they keep them there because they won't be adopted anywhere else so i'm sorry they just they won't be adopted yeah that's so heartbreaking oh my gosh wow okay um did they like so the owners how did they learn to care for these animals what was that did you talk to them about that at all um no we didn't really talk too much about how they learned i think it was just trial and error I would assume because I mean I know that Alex Hernley she is one of the co-owners and everything but she's an attorney during the day and I know her husband is um her husband Jason is a nurse so neither of them are veterinarians by trade like by Hmm. trade wow but they're saving these animals yeah that's cool yeah okay so how many animals do they have now and how much do you I said theoretically 700, but, mm-hmm. like, is that just going to be, like, an overnight thing? Or, like, are is there an overflow of pip squeaks? Um, so, currently, they can fit between 100 and 150 animals in their shelter or in their sanctuary. Because, like I said, it is literally in their basement. Mm-hmm. But um, it also depends on, like, what kinds of animals. Depends on, like, how many they can have there. So, the, the new facility that's going to be built for them it will be being built over the summer it should take up to about three to four months Mm -hmm. and then they'll be furnishing it and moving the animals which i'm sure will be a whole other process on its own were there any like specific animals they talked to you about um so they actually have one of the other people that i talked to for this story is julie gray who is a volunteer there she's one of the only volunteers that they have right now because it is such a small facility that they don't have a lot of people who come over but she is not only a volunteer but she's also a foster parent for them so she has fostered two rabbits for them and then ended up actually adopting that or she's no they are back in the pipsqueakery now but while they were able to not need the 24 7 care they came and live with julie and she says that she loves having them and she takes them whenever she can oh so can people adopt these animals um theoretically most of them need so many like surgeries and medications and it's a financial burden so most people would rather go for a hamster or a bunny that doesn't have these issues so um, the ones that do get brought to them that have injuries that will be able to be fixed like a broken leg or something like that they will send it to a regular shelter where they can be adopted Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex uh, actually told me that they decline, I think, about 20 animals per week. They send them away. Wow. Just because they don't have space right now to just have a place for them just to heal. They mostly keep it right now for the animals that will not be adopted. Jeez. Wow. So did they get funding like a like mm. was this a fundraiser that they're now able to afford this space or is this out of pocket for them well so they actually have an etsy store and they sell a bunch of like t-shirts mugs stickers all of those things that are made by um the artist uh paul love who is actually from indonesia she's pretty famous um in the artistic world of hamster stickers and t-shirts <laughs> and such a that. specific group. it really is okay. she has a website it's all on there it's great but yeah they have an etsy store that helps them and then they actually told me that they raised like 
I'm going to get the number wrong because it is not right with me, but it's, I think it's something around $13,000 just from people who donated through their Facebook who all donated under $10. Wow. Oh, wow. So okay. all of the people who just don- donated under $10, they raised that much money. The actual number's in my article. But okay. <laughs> That's so cute, though. That's great. Yeah. I love seeing yeah. So did that you actually like visit the Pip Squeakery? No, I wasn't able to just because it is in their home. They don't typically mm-hmm. invite a bunch of people there. So I just did phone interviews for this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask what was the I cutest, know. but... Oh, no. In their new facility, they are planning on being able to have a bunch of people there and like not only hold, holding the animals, but they're also hoping to have educational events that go on there because their main goal is to be able to not ha- not have people have to give up their pets. So if it is someone's hamster is a lot more expensive than they thought it was going to be, then helping them to find a another way to still keep their animal. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So okay. Educational events, volunteers will be able to work there. More adoption of like, will that be more of a option? I think that'll probably depend on. And again, I'm this is my thought process on yeah. it, but I think that'll probably depend on how many animals that need to just be sanctuary animals they get now that they have the more space for them. I would assume that if they don't have as many animals that need to be in the sanctuary to fill the entire 500 to 700 that they have capacity for, they'll take in some that can be adopted. But I don't think that it's necessarily in their plans. At least they didn't mention that it was in their plans to me that they would create an adoption center there. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. There yeah. sounds like there's lots of exciting stuff coming up for them. Yeah, for sure. I'm hopefully we'll do another story on it once it's opened or something. Ooh, we really can look cool. forward to that. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. To read all the stories we've mentioned today, visit IDSnews.com. Tune in next week for your weekly recaps and deeper dives into stories. Until then, I'm Allie. And I'm Alex. And this has been Posted. Hosted by the gals with the mostest. Posted.